Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Thursday, March 18th. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Sort of an afternoon release today because it is reunion Thursday and uh, every other Thursday I go on the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast with Keith and uh, his patrons over there. Uh, And so I got a little bit of a delay to get it out to you guys, but uh, he comes on every Thursday with me. uh, And so we'll look forward to Keith being back next week. Keith is also in San Antonio covering the Gamecock women's basketball team for the bigspur.com as they kind of try to make a run to the final four. Um, and, uh, so check all that out. If you're a big spur.com member, Frank watch 2021 continues. Frank Martin head basketball coach at South Carolina. He's still the head basketball coach at South Carolina. Um, and I'll just tell you what I know. I know that he's met with Ray Tanner and university officials multiple times. Um, no resolution to the situation has happened. Uh, I think he's also trying to get in the mix for some of these open jobs out there, namely DePaul. I'd keep an eye on UNLV as well because there's been interest there before. Um, And we'll see. Uh, You know, I I think they'll come to some sort of resolution by the end of the week. Uh, I know people out there that won't change, and there are many of you are a little antsy because everybody wants everything done yesterday. Um, And and here's my take on this. Uh, I I think there's always a a path with any situation that's preferable. And I think in this situation, uh, I believe that the Gamecocks and Frank Martin would both be better off going their separate ways. Uh, I I think that this is not a situation where, oh, he's a terrible coach or, oh, that's a terrible situation. Um, uh, I just think that nine years is a long time. Uh, I think that the last four have been extremely frustrating uh, because of this, that, or the other. Uh, I think that it's a situation where uh, when you miss your window, it's time to move on. And uh, I think barring Frank coming back next year, retooling the roster, which I don't think is likely, uh, and making an NCAA tournament um, with a lot of new players, uh, I think the window has been missed. Um, you know, I'm one of these guys that never says never. Uh, so if an about face happens with a lot of people that are in charge at USC um, and somehow Frank Martin comes back, you know, you're not going to close the window on that and say it's never going to happen. Uh, and, and next year's automatically going to be bad. But – you know, I, I I think the chances of it being successful uh, are not that good. And, you know, then you're going to be in the same situation after year 10 uh, and you just get further behind. Uh, now, I'm not saying that uh, uh, I'm not necessarily out here calling for change like I was in 2019 when I thought it was apparent the Will Muschamp era wasn't going to work out. And in year four uh, of a rebuild when you've gone, you know, six from three to six to nine wins then slip back to seven and then it goes to four it's obviously trending in the wrong direction Uh, you lose at home to app state obviously you're trending in the wrong direction you know you you lose like that to to tennessee team that 
couldn't cross the 50, you're trending in the wrong direction. You know, South Carolina basketball hasn't necessarily been trending downward until this year when the bottom fell out. But uh, it's more of a situation where they were, you know, mediocre, mediocre, uh, above average last year. And then the bottom fell out this year because of a number of reasons. So uh, I'm not out here saying, you know, fire him, throw him out on his head. You know, some people wanted to make a change before the SEC tournament. I, I don't think you'd do that because he, here's who you're throwing out. Uh, in the history of your program, the third highest win total in, in, in the history of an, all of Gamecock men's basketball ever. Um, the second highest, if you're talking about guys with a winning record, now it's kind of funny. All three top guys were named Frank. <laughs> Frank McGuire was number one, of course. Uh, Frank Johnson was number two, but he went 169 and 72 in the forties and fifties and uh, had a losing record. So I don't know how much those 169 wins mean when you lose that many games. And then there's Frank with 153, Frank Martin. He's by far the winningest coach in the sec uh, since Carolina joined the sec by about 29 wins. Um, He's the winningest coach. NCAA tournament-wise in the history of the school with four NCAA tournament wins. He's not the leader in berths. Obviously, there was only one NCAA tournament trip. And on top of that, he took the team, the program, to uh, its pinnacle in 2017 by taking the Gamecocks to the Final Four. Um, That is not erased by the last four years. On top of that, he's a hell of a guy. Uh, he, he has great leadership qualities. He's uh, treated his players right. I don't care what some of you people think or you've heard or, uh, you know, uh, you're bothered by the dirty words. If you're bothered by the dirty words, that's your personal moral preference. And I, I respect that as a human being. Uh, but sports are sports. And, you know, <laughs> he's not the only coach to ever use bad language. Now he uses it on the sidelines and gets emotional and he's like six, five and, you know, big intimidating dude. You know, if he looked like Bobby Hurley and talk about Bobby Hurley uh, on down the road, probably, you know, I don't, I don't know that people would, would care. If you like Mike Krzyzewski and some of the things that, co- that have come out of coach K's mouth, if you could read lips, you know, but Frank's a big old demonstrable guy, so it's, it's intimidating. So I get it, but I don't think that has anything to do with whether or not he's qualified to be the coach at South Carolina or not. Does it get used against him in recruiting? Absolutely, because we live in a world where, you know, fear, uh, false fear, I think, is prevalent. And and you can create false fear and, and false a lot of false things, in my opinion, these days that aren't connected with reality. And you can cause people to respond more uh, to what is false or, or what is perceived better than you can reality. And, and that's unfortunate. And that's why, you know, down the road, uh, when I get a little older, I'm not that old yet. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to the beach and I'll still talk to you guys and probably be on the big spur, but I'm cutting Twitter off and hopefully not reading the news anymore. But that's the world we live in. So, yeah, you know, does that hurt him in recruiting? Absolutely, I'm sure it does. I don't think that's the primary reason. I think that's down there probably with Under Armour. 
You know, <laughs> people think, oh, Under Armour causes Carolina not to be good. No, it's, you know, is it preferable? No. But, you know, last I checked, Under Armour schools were still going to Final Fours, including the Gamecocks and Auburn and Texas Tech. You know, last time I checked, Maryland was a pretty good basketball school, right? Last time I checked, it hasn't hurt the women's program at all. So, uh, anyway, so so that's the thing with Frank. And, you know, so those of you that are have never liked him because of his demonstrative attitude, I, I don't, you know, I respect you as people. I don't know that I respect the opinion all that much just because I don't think it's relevant. Um, I think what is relevant is, you know, the fact that this program since the Final Four has had a habit of dropping games that it shouldn't, starting with Illinois State the year after the Final Four in the Cancun Classic that, you know, got moved to Myrtle Beach. You know, that was that was a, a bad loss for that. I think they win that one. They're sitting on 18 at the end of the season. They probably go to the NIT. Um, you know, the Boston Universities, the Stony Brooks, the Stetsons, uh, getting run out of the gym by Wofford, although Wofford was, a, I think, a 10 or a 7 seed that year. Uh, still, you run out of your own gym by 20 by a mid, in-state mid-major. That's tough. Tough to swallow. The loss at Vanderbilt last year. You know, we keep bringing these things up. Those are, those are the reason we are here today. Uh, beyond the issues this year. The issues this year, you know, if, you, if, if there hadn't been those, you know, let's say they were sitting on an NIT – and two straight NCAAs, even if, you know, because that, that 16 and 16 team was, had enough quality wins in conference to where, you know, it takes care of business because they lost to kind of a so-so Alabama team at home too, and that wasn't like 68-62. It really wasn't a game they should have lost. Um, you know, you, you take those out, you take Stony Brook out, you take the game at Wyoming, which was the 310th team in the country, and you win those games, you know, you're sitting at 19, 20. Yeah, you're probably getting in based on your conference record. So let's say there was NIT the first year after the Final Four, two straight, and then an NCAA. And then, you know, let's say they didn't have the inexplicable losses last year and were sitting at 21 and 10 and 12 and 6 before they pulled the plug on the SEC tournament. So they were going to go. I don't think we're having this conversation. I don't. So, so that's why we're here today. Like I said, that does not change the good that Frank Martin did with this program. Therefore, and I've kind of talked around it here, uh, if the situation is, and I, I, be, I believe this to be the case, um, I do not know the outcome here, but I believe what is happening now, pre-outcome, is that they're trying to handle this South Carolina in the right way. Because, you know, you would prefer – not to fire the the what for all intents and purposes is the second most accomplished basketball coach in your program's history. If you want to get right down to it, um, and everybody's going to scream one and nine, one and nine, whatever. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the bottom line is that's that is how you judge college basketball, and the one and nine thing uh, is bad. And that's probably another reason why we're sitting here uh, is obviously you don't take care of business in the regular season. You're not getting the postseason and that's fine. But, you know, still wins wise and especially SEC, the SEC wins thing, you know, no Eddie Fogler, Dave Odom, Darren Horn, 
Steve Newton. None of those guys could figure this league out. And it took Frank a while to figure it out. Um, and so that's what happened there. Uh, and, and he's, you know, South Carolina is in the Southeastern Conference, and you do have to win Southeastern Conference games if you want to go dancing. So uh, I think for all those reasons, you need to handle it in the right way if you can. I'm not saying that based on what is happening now and the body of work that that means, you know, you don't make a change and you just say, all right, this is good enough. We're just a little South Carolina because I completely reject that too. As I said earlier, you know, this isn't a situation where you got a bad coach and a bad program program at all. I mean, I, I think South Carolina historically obviously has some work to do. But I, I don't think this is a situation where, you know, like Darren Horn, where it was like, well, this guy's never going to get him. He's out of his league here. Or Steve Newton or something like that. I think it's uh, it's a deal where, you know, this, this type of guy, you know, Frank Martin – uh, quite frankly, uh, deserves respect. And, and, and quite frankly, if you look at his nine years at Carolina, he's done a pretty good job, really good job. If you consider, you know, how you know, final four, he just, you know, like I said, they missed their window. Cause, cause when you do something like go to a final four and you're not a historically good powerhouse, you, you have a window to sort of capitalize on it. And then it kind of gets in the rearview mirror. I mean, another conference school, Auburn got there. So that kind of takes the shine off. Uh, Clemson's made two NCAA tournaments since South Carolina went to the final four. Uh, that's not good. That That's kind of standard for Clemson basketball, though. If you think about over the years, they every third, fourth year, they have a good team. And, you know, they're in the ACC, so they can go dancing. But – you know, a lot's happened. And so now that, that window, I think, in my opinion, has closed. And I think a lot of people at Carolina have too. So, like I said, you got to handle it the right way. So, if Frank Martin can find another job, take another job someplace else, and he just leaves, then great. You wish him the best. Um, you know, you're probably not on the hook for a $6 million buyout. Um, and he goes and coaches somewhere else. Uh, and, and I'd be willing to bet if it's UNLV, he, he may win, he may win more games than the next South Carolina coach, just cause that's a good job. And they've been kind of down dormant and he's kind of probably, he's probably the, the guy they need. He's probably one of those guys they need. If I were them, uh, my search would begin and end with him. Uh, and then there's DePaul uh, in Chicago That's that's been, you know, kind of like UNLV, they once were really good, but they've been more irrelevant than the Rebels for a while. Um, and if he can get that, that's good. Or Cincinnati opens and, and they want to bring him home or whatever because he used to be there. I mean, look, there's just all kinds of things where, you know, if he can go get another job, great. You know, that'd be the first time. <laughs> A coach has left South Carolina at a major sport for another gig. And so, uh, yeah. So, so it, 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 and I think that's exactly what's happening. And these, these coaching jobs and things like that, they don't, they don't come together overnight. Um, and, and so, you know, giving it 72 hours to me uh, is absolutely the thing Ray Tanner should do. I mean, I don't know what some people out there wanted to do. 
if if this is an option that Frank can go get another job, and it, and on top of that, the, you know, the six million dollars is not a big concern. But if you can save six million, you know, and you're Ray Tanner, if you don't do that, and you're like, no, nah, we're just going to fire you and whatever, then then that's a clown move. If you do that, you know, some of you have it totally wrong about what a good athletic director does. I'm not saying some of you out there, listen to this, I'm saying some people. And so what was Ray's just dragging his feet? No, he's not dragging. He's trying to do it the right way. And he should. And if you don't want to, you know, if if you're not really buying the creed of coaches and, you know, you don't want to give, and if you don't want to give Frank 72 hours or whatever it is, to find another gig and have a soft landing, then you you don't know what you're talking about. You know, you don't understand sports. Um, th- there's no valid reason why that guy deserved to, deserves to just be tossed out on his ear if there's a way you can wait a couple of days and, and make things better for him. And and he, and he he deserves that, you know, based on what he's done relative to the historical standard of this program. I'm not saying he deserves to continue to make $3 million and stay on staff and coach forever here. I'm, I, I didn't say that at all. Like I said, I think it's time for, you know, Frank Martin and South Carolina both to go their separate ways. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think that that means you just throw the guy out on his ear and uh, and don't try to do things the right way because there is a right way to do things. And then so, so, so even if you don't want to, if you hate Frank and you know, you're one of these that's never really liked him because of his demeanor or whatever, and you want him gone yesterday uh, and, and you don't care, you know, about what he's accomplished and you don't think he deserves that respect. Well then think about the $6 million, you know? So, so there's another reason why, you know, Ray Tanner needs to do this the right way. Or, or, or should, you know, attempt to do it the right way. Now, look, what if Frank does not get another job? Well, then I think an agreement has to be made. Whether that's a resignation, reassignment, whatever. Um, you know, unless, again, like I said, lots of people that are in charge at South Carolina have just completely changed their minds in the last you know, 24 hours or so. And if they did, and the outcome is Frank comes back for year 10, like I said, I'm not comp, not very confident things will turn around. I don't think he's the type of coach that can go out and just, you know, cobble it together. It's not like Chris Beard at Texas Tech that can go cobble it together with six transfers and, and, and away you go. I, I think he's a system guy that, and a development guy that, when you play for him, you get better and better and better for the most part. And and before you're like, well, this group this year didn't, and they didn't. A lot of them got regressed uh, individually. You know, I think you know, Bryant, Keyshawn Bryant, probably has improved. Um, Kusinar went backward, but. Uh, you know that that, that this year is kind of different. You know, the, Frank had an eight-year track record of players get, that stuck with his program getting better and better and better. Even the transfers he brought in: Trey Campbell, Wesley Myers, Frank Booker. You know, those guys played better for for Frank Martin than they did at their previous stops. 
but I do think he's a developmental guy. I, I think it takes buy-in on defense with him, and, and I think you got to be in that system for a little while to, to really make it happen. And that's been proven. So Darius Thornwell was pretty good from the start, but he was player of the year, you know, by the time he was finished. Um, and, and so if you're Frank Martin, you know, and you're, you're rolling through the portal, you know, and, and you look at your track, you, you know, you, you probably don't have enough time because it takes more really than one off season to get a team to gel and play like you want. When they're not playing like he wants, it, the whole thing doesn't work as we've seen this year. So that's my, that's my, my deal there. You know, the other thing is if everybody just came back with the basketball team and they had the same team next year and gave it a go, but that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> you know, that that's that's sort of a long shot because I think there's some guys, even if Frank came back, that, you know, probably would be encouraged to, to look elsewhere. And so that's the reality we're sitting in right now with basketball. Uh, here on the eve of March Madness, I know there's some games tonight and tomorrow with the playing games, but uh, actually it starts in earnest tomorrow because this year it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I don't want to second round. I mean, sorry, Sweet 16. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, second round games on Monday. Maybe I'll take Monday off. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so that's that with that. You know, Shane Beamer, football, had a press. Oh, no, no, let me, let me talk about baseball first before that, because that's another thing that's, um, you know, sort of driving me crazy. Uh, I, the midweek losses like they suffered last night to Davidson, you know, I, I think it's fine to have a midweek loss. I don't think it's fine if you keep piling them up. And I think that's been a problem for a while. I think they catch up to you, especially with the schedule on the weekends that the Gamecocks have. Uh, so they got to tighten up, man. Um, you know, I, I, getting swept at Texas, I sort think sort of surprised some people because uh, they got off to such a good start. But then you kind of look at it like, well, you go all the way out there. It's a team you're not that familiar with, whatever. Um Look, you know, rebound the SEC starts next week, whatever. And, but then you go drop that game to Davidson. So it's four in a row now. You're not hitting the ball, even against the Davidson pitching staff. And you got Vanderbilt this weekend in Nashville. Uh, so it looks ominous. Um, and I'll say this I mean, th- th- this team probably, you know, has some concerns right now. And, and I think just like, anything in life or sports or wherever it's, it's not about what's happened. Uh, I hope what's happened to set off some alarm bells. Uh, it's about how you respond. Uh, and so you get swept by Texas. You came out against Davis and you did not respond. So now it's worse. And you got something even worse to respond to, you know, and, and, and so that's, that's what needs to happen with this baseball team. Thomas Farr uh, takes the mound Friday night, tomorrow night against the Commodores. That's always a big series, so we'll see what happens. But, um, but look, yeah, unacceptable to keep losing the midweek games. I, I'm sort of in between the crowd that, you know, all of a sudden wants to fire Kingston right now because I'll remind that crowd that baseball never has been an undefeated sport. Uh, some of the national championship teams Ray Tanner had went through long stretches of you know, losing games. I think, I think one of them started one and five in the SEC. Um, 
So it's about where you end up. Uh, so I'll tell that to those of you that want Kingston fired tomorrow. Uh, on the other hand, everybody that says that's just baseball, uh, I'll remind you that, uh, no, it's, it's not, that's not just baseball. That This team's in a slump and needs to get out of it quickly. Uh, you know, uh, and you can't just say it's okay, you know, to not respond. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and that was one of the great things about Ray Tanner's teams. And I, I reference them because that's, you know, the whole Brook era and now this era had, they haven't played consistently, you know, uh, was the consistency, especially with the midweek games. Now, now Ray drops some midweek games. Don't get me wrong. You know, they lost some. Uh, but uh, his teams always responded. How many times when they went to Omaha did they lose the first game? I don't think they won a first game in Omaha until the, the second national championship team won it. And then in 2012, they beat Florida. Now, I may check me if I'm wrong on that, but I think they lost the opening game every single time. They know they lost in 02, uh, 03, and uh, 04. <laughs> and uh, then moving forward, I think they lost in 2010. Uh, I know they lost in 2010. Uh, and then 2011, they won. And in 2012, they won the opener. But, you know, those teams responded. Um, they believed you had 27 outs a game, and they responded. I don't know what the deal is with this group uh, right now. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm taking a very middle-of-the-road approach to the baseball struggles right now. You know, I just think that, uh, you know, like I said, not time to fire Kingston, uh, but it's not time to – to just chalk it up to just baseball either. I think the answer is somewhere in between. And the solution is respond simply, you know, they're good enough to go up there and salvage a game in Nashville against Vandy with all their um, full scholarship players. <laughs> uh, you know, they're good enough to do that. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. All right. Football Shane Beamer press conference today, spring practice gets kicked off Saturday no news in the press conference. We talked about this. We talked about this with Keith earlier today. That was a. There was no news because they didn't. They're meeting later to, just, to you know, with the trainer to decide you know who's who's going to be limited and stuff like that. So Shane just didn't have that information. I don't think that's a a trend or anything. I just uh, you know those of you that are maybe worried that it's going to be like the, the previous era where you just don't know what's going on. I, I think it was logistics. Um, uh, and then he had a lot of topical things to say about the core values of his program, you know, love and um, freaking uh, accountability, competition, that kind of thing. Uh, and I think, you know, gratefulness, uh, I think that's important. I think all those things are important when you're talking about a, uh, you know, a, a football family, so to speak. And I think that the Gamecocks uh, – I think the Gamecocks are in good shape as far as that goes. You know, do th those things don't necessarily decide football games, uh, but I think they do decide the attitude and character you carry into a football game. And if you carry a bad attitude and poor character into a football game, you are going to get beat unless your opponent is just as sorry as you are. <laughs> 
Someone told me that one time. And and so that's what they're working on now. Looking forward to he did say this. He said Luke Doty probably will take the first snap with the ones when they go team just because of his experience. But after that, everything's wide open. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how it works out. We've talked about it. We'll break it down. You know, where are the DBs going to fit? Who's a corner? Who's a safety? Who's a nickel? Uh, linebackers, same thing. Wide receivers, same thing. Uh, Beamer did say some good things about the receiving core. So they were working hard. Mentioned they had some size. And yeah, when you got Ortray Smith and EJ Jenkins over there, you, you got some size. Uh, some bigger guys, but you need, you need guys that can run. Amarian Brown uh, is not a big guy, but could definitely run. And, you know, I, I think Rico Powers and Xavier Leggett are two guys that have to really step up, you know, in terms of making plays and all that this year. And, you know, all that's going to be determined here moving forward. But good uh, good press conference with, with Shane Beamer, if you want to listen to it in its entirety. It's on the Big Spur YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash the Big Spur. Or on the official Gamecocks online uh, YouTube channel as well. A lot of good, A lot of good topical questions today, not a lot of specifics. So if, if you're into overall theory and things like that, that's good. If you're looking to see who the second team right tackle is, that's not been determined yet, and they didn't talk about too many um, standout players anyway. So that's the deal there. But we'll have complete coverage of spring football practice at South Carolina on thebigspur.com. I think they're letting the media in for the first 15, 20 minutes, a couple of periods. Um, so that's good, and so we'll see uh, – We'll see what happens there. Um, all right, mailbag questions. Mailbag. Two ways to get in the mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Or, and follow that, please, at the Big Spur Pod. That's the Inside the Gamecocks Twitter account. A lot of uh, content you can get there that maybe you can't get uh, any, and you know, on, on the other Big Spur 247 account. Um, also want to remind everybody, the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast with myself and Mike Morgan. This week we had Josh Pate on. Uh, I would really encourage you guys to go listen to it because we talked a lot about the Gamecocks, Shane Beamer, the new hires in the SEC, Josh Heupel, you know, sort of where everybody fits in. A um, lot of good topics with Josh Pate for 24-7 Sports, Mike Morgan for the SEC Network uh, and ESPN, and then myself. Uh, so I encourage you to go listen to that. It's on, you know, normal Spotify, Apple Pods. Uh, it's also on Google Play, uh, the iHeartRadio app, uh, and also on Audible. And, and this this podcast here is on Audible too. So if you listen to books on tape or whatever and have an Audible account, uh, they do podcasts too, and you can just pull us right up there. This one and the JC and Morgan. So have yourself a JC and Morgan. <laughs> anyway. First one comes in from Bullheaded Pod. Um, and I don't remember if I answered this or not because I, I was going through and I, I know I retweeted it. But he says, I'm going to go ahead and answer it. Regardless of who the men's basketball coach is at Carolina next year, do you think there needs to be a more concerted effort into playing the game of AAU culture to consistently be in it for top guys? Basketball culture is just different, and AAU runs the sport. Yes, I do. What does that mean exactly? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, 
I think that the last few coaches here have done everything they can to embrace the AU community in South Carolina. And they just, you know, when it comes down to actually landing players because of your efforts, it doesn't happen. They get steered elsewhere. You know, what do you do? What's going on? So that's the deal. But um, I don't think it's been a case of Frank. You know, Frank Martin didn't have problems recruiting at Kansas State. Uh, he and Huggins didn't have problems recruiting when they were at Cincinnati. You know, when he first got here, you know, that they got Thornwell against the odds. They got Dozier. Dozier almost went to Louisville. So, you know, and then since then, it's been an uphill battle with everybody. So, uh, yeah, I, I think great. If you can make some inroads with the AAUs and start keeping kids in state, great. Super. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean everybody. I mean, you look around like Christian Brown, who uh, went to Georgia, you know, he ended up, uh, he's from Columbia. He's in the transfer portal as of today. So, uh, you know, the kid that ended up going out to Texas and then went to Alabama, I think, and then finished up at Clemson, you know, he, uh, he scored a lot, <laughs> but I, I don't know how good he is. So, so, you know, I mean, there, there's just, um, you know, there's just a deal where guys go out of state. It's going to take a while and the right person to turn that around. And even then, I'm, there's no guarantee. You know, that, that's why I feel so bad about Frank Martin and why, you know, you, you look at a career and you look at a tenure at a place and, and – you really break down Frank Martin's, you know, deal at South Carolina year to year, and it's not that they've lost this guy or that guy or this guy, because if they were really hurting for talent, you know, they wouldn't own the Florida Gators in their own gym <laughs> on a yearly basis. Um, and they wouldn't win, have won the games they did. You know, I, I, I don't – I don't think it's a just a talent thing. Uh, and I think he's a talent maximizer with the exception of this year. Um, I, I think what it is, is, is that there are teams that they should beat, that they are better than, that they haven't, and it's cost them everything. Because everything in college basketball is the postseason. You know? And, and you look at it, and, you, you know, you're telling me that, you know, South Carolina's players aren't better than Stony Brooks or Illinois State or, Boston U or Stetson, yeah, no, there's no question. Uh, you know, I could, you know, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I think having better act, let's say, let's call it access, access to the state's top talent, and having a fighting chance with these guys, uh, and, and having some help to, to say, hey, look, you know, you're, you're leaving and going two states over to play at the same place, you know, because there's nothing vastly superior about Ole Miss basketball compared to South Carolina. Um, yeah, you know, you need to kind of have that help, have that help. So, and it's unfortunate that Frank Martin didn't get it, but it wasn't for lack of trying. And, and that kind of makes me think, I don't know who can come in and wave that magic wand because it's it's been an issue. And yeah, then you have people around Columbia, I'm not going to name any names, who, who are idiots, who – you know, want to go back to like the seventies and, and claim all kinds of stuff about the university and, 
uh, you know, that that's ridiculous too. Um, so, so you're fighting an uphill battle, but it will be good if it improved. Yes. Yes. And I guarantee you coaches looking at this job are sitting there saying, man, there's a lot of good players that come out of South Carolina, uh, even if they haven't really researched it simply because this state produced the number one and number two draft pick. Um, and you're probably sitting there if you're another coach going, there's probably a lot of t- hidden talent in South Carolina because John Morant ended up at Murray State, <laughs> you know. So that's the deal there. All right. Next one comes in from Gullaboy843. says, J.C., in your opinion, given your expertise, what are the best camps around or near the state of South Carolina to take a rising sophomore to start the recruitment process and to gain exposure? In my area of Beaufort, South Carolina, there's a lot of young men overlooked constantly. Rising sophomore, try to get an invite to the Nike football training camps. It's called the opening camp right now. Um, I would definitely go see about doing that. Um, There's another one, Ramon Robinson and those guys run in Columbia over the summer. Uh, I would go look into going to that one, too, for a young player. That's actually the first place I saw Israel McQuamu. Uh, and uh, and the kid, and also the kid, Trey John Jeffcoat, who plays at Missouri, that was all SEC, that's from Irmo, uh, was at that, that thing in Columbia. Um, look for that. Shoot, when, when, that, when we hear more about it, look for that. Also, any kind of Shrine Bowl, co- local combine, anything like that, that uh, within the state – uh, Nike camp wise, the closest one to you, maybe in Atlanta or Athens. Uh, also, the Under Armour All American combines are good too. Uh, but in Buford, it may be easier if you, you kind of keep your eyes open and look uh, down in Jacksonville um, and, uh, and all that because that, that would be a quicker drive. Uh, also, as much film as you can put on Huddle and spread that Huddle link around, that helps these days a whole lot. Uh, almost more than the camps do because that that just you know the film is the most important thing. Camps are important too, but you know film can really get you noticed. And so I would encourage you to do that. Always good to give recruiting advice. And thank you, Gullaboy eight four three. All right, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. and we've got several come that have come in, and that's the inbox. Those two came in on Twitter that I just mentioned. Keith says, if you ranked all the ACC, SEC, excuse me, SEC schools by their athletics history, including men's and women's sports, where would the Gamecocks fall in that ranking? I think somewhere around ninth or tenth. Um, include the men's and women's sports, you know, you know, maybe like eleventh right now, you know. And, and as Dawn Staley ends up going to more Final Fours and maybe wins a few more national championships, you're, you're going to move up there. You know, they were national champions in baseball back-to-back. South Carolina was, you know, football doesn't have this illustrious history, neither does men's basketball, but men's basketball has been to the Final Four. Um, You know, football has just never, you know, it's just been tough getting to that elite postseason. Um, For one reason or another, I I, I tend to think had they had the playoff uh, back there in Spurs' 11-win seasons that, you know, I don't know that South Carolina would have made the four-team playoff, but I do think South Carolina would have gone to a major bowl, may Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, something like that. Um, so there's not much to show there. There's an SEC East title and a 1969 ACC championship. But 
Um, I think, you know, the men's women, if you're counting everything, the women's sports, uh, the baseball, all that, it's probably ninth or tenth. Who would I rank below? Probably Vanderbilt, obviously, even with their national titles in baseball. Because I, I'm sorry, I'll put an asterisk beside those, <laughs> just because of the way they they roll their sky. I mean, now that I guess it's not against the rules, they're not cheating. Um, but you know, is it fair? I don't know. Um, you know, probably Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, probably behind the game. Mississippi State's never won at all in baseball. They're a good baseball school. You know, do you put Ole Miss behind the game? Missouri, you know, those schools behind the game, probably. Uh, I don't, you know. Missouri, I don't remember them winning. I mean, I don't think they've been to the Final Four in basketball. Certainly not anything baseball. Certainly not much in women's basketball. Football, they have won a Big 12. They've won three divisions. I think they won the Big 12 division once, and they've won, of course, that SEC East twice, which was terrible for the Gamecocks, 2013-2014. But yeah, probably tenth, Keith, and you know, hey, there, there's room to go up. There's definitely room to go up. You know, I, I think you look kind of above the Gamecocks as much money as Texas A&M has, and how many championships? I don't think they've been to a Final Four in basketball. I, I don't. I think they may have won it all in women's basketball once, but you, you know, you, you don't know. I mean, I, mean I, I think if you're talking football programs historically. That may be a different ranking, you know. Uh, where's Ole Miss? So that kind of thing. So, but yeah, that's a great question, Keith. And that's also something you know, out of season, we can really get into. That probably make a good article too. I appreciate you listening, my man. Uh, John emails in. Thanks for the email, John. Hey, JC. If summer recruiting visits return, do you think Carolina has any chance to get Gunner Stockton back on campus, or has that ship sailed? I think with him being committed to Georgia, if he doesn't, you have to do it quietly. Um, Connor Shaw would have to work that out with him. I think there's your there's your in right there. Um, I, I don't feel good about the Gamecocks even getting him back on campus at this point, but things do change, and I don't think you ever give up uh, with a kid like that, or you know, I don't I don't think you ever, uh, you know lose his number. <laughs> um, I do think Carolina's hard at work trying to find another quarterback, though, in the class, and, and rightfully so. You need to do it. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, look, you only to put a percentage on it. The, there's like a 4% chance maybe they could end up turning him back right now. But, you know, numbers can change. I mean, that, that's why I say, you know, some, some jerk on Twitter today goes uh, – Gosh, we, we retweeted sports talk um, about the Christian Brown news. And it's like, why is the big spur retweeting this? Are you going to put a crystal ball prediction in so you can change it? Hale and JC and Toady are all jokes. <laughs> so obviously this is someone that doesn't understand the concept of the crystal ball. Yes, you change it. Because the purpose of the crystal ball uh, is not for – John Q recruiting analyst to sit there and say, look at me and how awesome I am. I can tell the future, even though crystal ball is supposed to be something that tells the future. Uh, It's basically like a political poll where, you know, some, if you think about the camp, a political campaign, 
Uh, and look, recruiting is similar to a political campaign. In, in you know, intellectually, if you think about it, what is a political campaign? Well, it is a period of convincing and salesmanship that leads to an ultimate decision by an individual or a group of individuals. You know, in the case of the candidate to win, you know, you need to convince a ton of individuals in recruiting. You need to convince one individual. Uh, And so over the course of this process, when decisions are being made, there are trends that take place just like in a campaign. So, uh, and I even think Larry Sabato uh, in political campaign, I think he calls it Larry's crystal ball. You know, it's polling. And and, and that's how you got to look at it. Not, Oh, not, not because you're butthurt about a player change. Like uh, it's probably about Tanner Bailey, who's uh, t- Tanner Bailey changing his mind and your, your little feelings are hurt. And uh, you want to throw us, you, you're looking for somebody to blame because, you know, maybe you're smart enough not to throw a 17 year old kid under the bus. So you want to blame us and that's fine. That dude got blocked, but uh, you know, like I said, you know, trending. That's trending. And, John, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent like that. That dude's people like that, uh, you know, especially when you have an anonymous Twitter account and you, you come at me like that, I have no respect for you as a human being at all. Uh, and especially with the, the the ignorance about the crystal ball picks. I'm, I'm beyond tired of people not understanding that, that's, that that thing is much more about trending, polling, where things are now, rather than some, you know, high stakes poker game where I, you know, push all my chips in. That's not what it's for. Um, and so anyway, I got off on that to tell you and how I got off on that was 4%. <laughs> you want to know what the chance 4% was stocked, but things can change. So that that's just where things are now. You, you never, you never know. You may come back to your first love. Who knows? Noah. JC, I really enjoyed your interview with Josh Pate on JC and Morgan. He always brings quality content. Yeah, I mentioned it to our listeners earlier. My question is, do you think South Carolina can have one of the better pass rushes in the SEC next season? If Birch, Enigbare, and Strong all play up to their potential, I think this group could surprise a lot of people across the conference. Yeah, I mean, you you look at it, and you you got four pass rushers in in – you got to add Aaron Sterling into this. Sterling was hurt some of last year. And I know some people and, and myself included, you know, they're, they're not quite sure Aaron Sterling's at every down end because of his size uh, and vulnerable against the run, but Aaron Sterling can flat out rush the passer. So, so, so you've got Sterling, you got Birch, you got Strong now and Enigbari. Uh, Enigbari was all, you know, all SEC. You know, Strong led the nation in sacks. Birch was a five-star freak. And then Sterling led Carolina in sacks two years ago and was a player that was once committed to Alabama. So even with rep, with their rep, if you just go on rep alone, that's that's a good group. Uh, And then production, of course, uh, outside of Birch, the, the production's been there on the football field, which is also important. So four ends, they are good. Uh, and then behind those guys, it's not too shabby either. You got Tonka Hemingway, who played really well as a true freshman. Heck, Tonka Hemingway could end up starting. 
you know, he played that well, and he's had another year and all that. Um, and, and then Gilbert Edmond, who I think is going to be good, and Rodriguez Fitton and Tyreek Johnson are there too. So, and that's just rushers on the interior, obviously. You know, Pickens, Sandage, Green, Ellis, Huntley, Barrett, those guys. So my answer is, yeah, I think South Carolina, pass rushing wise, can surprise some people. You know, this year I, I think with offenses these days getting the ball out so quickly, sometimes you you just want to disrupt, but rather than you know sack because you're you're not going to get to the sack in time. But uh, they certainly have a good group there you know, be it rep and produ- or production um, right there. And, you know, Jordan Birch, I was told the other day, could be as good as he wants to be, same with Zach Pickens. They're very excited about the defensive line. You know, some of the new coaches just observing uh, over there said, look, the D line looks, when you're in the weight room <laughs> and out battling on the field, the D line, O line look legit. Um, and I've said many times, you know, if you have a good D-line and O-line, it does not guarantee you that you are going to be good or win games. But if you struggle at one of those spots, chances are, unless you just smoke and mirror it up, you're not going to win very often uh, in the SEC or Power 5 football. Okay. So, programming note, probably be back tomorrow morning to send you into the weekend. Uh, and that's a probably a, I've got a friend coming into town uh, with his kids and – Got to kind of show him around, but uh, that's probably later. And, of course, if something happens with Frank Martin, we'll rock and roll right away with an emergency pod. So this has been Inside the Gamecocks Podcast, J.C. Sherbert. Everyone have a wonderful Thursday. We'll holler at you soon.